this morning out of, and I really don't need notes. It's going to be different, um, but I don't need notes because of the way that I'm going to uh, approach this today. But there was some years ago, we really can't figure out. I asked the team this morning when it was, those of us, those who have been with us for any length of time. But some years ago, I taught a series called Bridge of Offense, and it was a series of messages. It was more than one Sunday. And when Holy Spirit prompted me recently to teach on the bridges, the bridge of offense being one of them, you know, I, I began to write things down as he was giving it to me, and I had something to write for each of the other bridges, but I could not write anything for bridge of offense. And you'll understand why in just a moment. And I said to my wife this morning as she was walking out the door, I said, you know, I said, there, I don't know how I'm going to get into one message, everything that the bridge of offense in its original form uh, said and did. And she said, Holy Spirit will do it. And so that's what I'm after today. I want to make sure and help you understand what the bridge of offense is and the impact of it. So when I say bridge of offense, or next week is going to be bridge of trust, and then the week after that is bridge of until, and then the week after that is bridge of opportunity, and then the last Sunday, which the first song we sang this morning about sons, or the second song was about sons, uh, sons uh, uniting, I want to sing that again on the last one because it's bridge of sonship. It's going to be bridge of sonship. So I want to make sure that we're singing that again that day. But um, as I begin to work through these as Holy Spirit was showing me. I just could not sort out other than the where to begin on this particular message today, Bridge of Offense. And we're going to read all of John 6. We're going to read all of the John chapter 6 today because that's the only way. That's why I had to bring this because digitally it was just going to be difficult for me to follow along that way. You can if you use the app this morning. It's really easy. It's there. If you use that Holy Bible app, it's simple. It'll take you right through it. But I'm just going to take us on a journey. If I took a lot of notes, and I know why Holy Spirit did it, if I, the more notes I have, the longer I'm talking. Today I have no notes. There's hope for you. <laughs> So as we begin to talk about this, I want to start by saying this. First of all, when I say bridge of offense or bridge of whatever, it's, it's a metaphor. There's not a literal bridge. There's nothing that you're going to cross over with your feet and you're going to get from here to there. But anytime you refer to a bridge, it really is an indicator, and I'll probably say this every week, but it's an indicator that I'm trying to get from where I am to where I should be. That thing that is in front of me is, is my opportunity to get from the place where I am, good or bad, get from the place where I am to the, what's on the other side, which is better. There's a reason there's a bridge there. It gets you from here to there. Amen? We can agree on that. So as I taught this years ago, one of the conflicts that people had with me about what I'm going to say to you today, and I just want to try to uh, intervene before you have opportunity to Come, come back at me with a particular scripture that you feel like applies that doesn't. I just want to save you from any embarrassment. So people would come at me and they would say to me, well, you're talking about the offense, but Matthew 18, 7, which is 
a lot of people's favorite verse for offenses. And they, they would come back and they would say, but Matthew 18, 7 says, woe to him by whom offense comes or cometh. Depends on the version that they're reading. There's more to it, but that's the gist of it. Woe to him. So offense is not good. And I would say to them, I said, well, reading it out of your translation, that's what it says. Woe to him by whom the offense comes. But if you read it in the original Greek, it said nothing had nothing to do with offense. It had everything to do with temptation. Woe to him by whom temptations come. And temptation and offense are not the same thing. Temptation is an offense of mankind. It's man's doing. But offense of the spirit is God's doing. And there has to be, and you'll understand that in a moment as we read John 6. You'll see the difference. So he said, woe to him by whom temptations come or an offense manufactured by man or presented by man but to him by whom offense comes through the spirit right. it will change me God will use them to change me. You'll, we'll read that today in John 6. So I just want to help you understand today before you in your mind, because some of us, we, we are taught things throughout our life. I remember, and my aunt may be watching this morning, my aunt Lode, I love her, she's precious. And, but I remember before I got saved, I said to her one time, or I went to visit her and, and my uncle, and I walked into their home and she happened to be watching this particular preacher on TV. And he was a well-known preacher at that time, might still be today, I'm not sure, not as well-known maybe, but he was well-known at that time, this is way back, way back, and 19, early 80s, and I walked into her home, and this preacher was preaching, and he said he was talking about the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, and he was saying, as I walked in the door, he's yelling it out, and he's preaching, you know, and he's got a thousand or more people out there, and it's a packed auditorium, and he's preaching this, and he said, and the Israelites, imagine how um, uh, miraculous God was to enable them to get their chariots and their horses over on that muddy ground, and it was sloshing, and the wheels would get stuck, and yet he gave them the strength to be able to push those chariots through and to encourage those horses to go over, and I was so offended. I walked in there and I said, what? I'm not Aunt Lowe. I'm not even a believer. I'm not even saved. And I know that they crossed over on dry ground. It, had, it wasn't anything about their own efforts. Pushing through, using their muscle to get the horse to get unstuck. It had nothing to do. And she said, Stevie? She said, be careful. She said, you might understand it differently, but it doesn't change the truth. And it's always rested with me that because I see it differently at the time, there might be more inside the message than at the moment meets the eye. What I've said to you before about the Word of God, I believe this about the Word of God. The Word of God never changes. It's never changed. Since the beginning of time, the word of God has never changed. However, our interpretation of it has. As he matures us, as he grows us, what I understand, the word of God is the word of God. It will, it will be the same to the person who gets saved this morning as it is to someone that has been saved for 30, or 40, 50, 60 years. The difference is the person who's been saved longer, hopefully they've been on a journey and they interpret it differently. So that it's added more to them so that they continue to, can continue to grow. Does that make sense? So it did not change, but our interpretation of it does. This is what I want to say to you about offense. What you understand about offenses this morning. Be open 
to allow Holy Spirit, an offense is an offense, but be open to allow Holy Spirit to change your interpretation of what an offense really is and can do. Let him show you the miracle within offense. Not a fence like a picket, but with offense. Isn't it interesting how in the natural, when you think of football, there'll be a lot of football games going on today, go Bucks. but there'll be a lot of football games today that'll be going on. And when the football games are being played, isn't it interesting that the offense is actually a positive thing? We need offense. We need offense (laughs) to win the game. If there is no offense, there can be no victory. No one has ever won with zero. But in the church world, when we see offense or offense, in our world, in our mind, we, we wrap it around this thing that is ugly. It's not good. It should never happen. All the while, as I'll point out in just a moment, the Father sends offense to get us from where we are to where he wants us to be. Are you ready to take the journey? Let's start reading. John chapter 6, let's begin with verse 1. It reads like this. I'll probably stop. I'll never make it all the way through without stopping here and there. It says, after this, Jesus went away. After this means he had just healed uh, the paralytic at, at the uh, pool of Bethesda. And it says, and that, that's a lot going on in chapter 5. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs. Everybody say, they saw the signs. It's important that you get this. Because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And Philip said, or he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And then Philip said, 200 denarii worth of bread will not be enough for each of them to even get a little. And then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? I love it that there's somebody else in the crowd that one says, we don't have enough money to feed all these people. And then someone else in the crowd stands up and says, but wait, there is hope. It doesn't look like it. You got one on defense and one on offense. And one says, wait, there is hope. There's a little boy. Just walk with me. There's a boy here who has five loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, just have the people sit down. You got to try to imagine this. Imagine how cool it is for Christ. He's standing there. He's looking out over these 5,000 men, probably a few thousand women and children. Who knows? Maybe eight, 9,000 people all together gathered out there. And he's looking out over this crowd, and he's realizing that they're hungry. They've traveled a long way. They've witnessed the signs that he, he had done. And now they're coming over to, again, get in his company. And he realizes, you know, these people have traveled. They've been a long ways, and they've got to be hungry. So what are we going to do to feed them? And, and then they come around him, and they say, listen, 
We don't have, one says we don't have enough money. Another one says there's a boy over here who has some fish and some bread. And, um, you know, but it's not, it's not going to go very far. And, and Jesus said, just tell him to sit down. How cool is that? Imagine if you're Philip or Andrew, and you just go up, and he just says, tell the people to sit down. And you're like, you talk about faith? Listen, just tell the people to sit down. We'll, get, we'll come back to it. Now, there was, such, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, everybody say they ate their fill. They ate their fill. He told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered, gathered them up, and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Say this with me. 5,000 people, 5, people acknowledged, acknowledged this is the prophet, is prophet. Promised. promised. I shortened it. They witnessed a miracle and immediately see, wow, indeed, this is the prophet who has come into the world, perceiving then that they, verse 15, that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain to be alone. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because, because a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, I'm about to show you a miracle that's very rarely ever mentioned, but I'm going to show you another miracle that gets lost in this chapter. When they had rowed about three or four miles, it's important you understand that, say three or four miles. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately, this is the miracle that's rarely mentioned, immediately the boat was at land. It went from being three or four miles out, Jesus got in the boat, and now they're on shore. It's another day. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And then this is where it gets interesting. This is the beginning of the end and the beginning of the beginning for some. The beginning of the end for some, and the beginning of the beginning for others. It's better for it to be the beginning of the beginning. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, it's better for it to be the beginning of the beginning. Let's jump into this. You ready? Jesus said to them, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me. Now, <laughs> he had been so kind, sweet, 
up to this point. There's hungry people here. Let's feed them. There's a paralyzed man just a couple days before at the pool of Bethesda that can't get to it. Let's heal him. There's people out there in the boat and the seas are being tossed. Let me get in the boat and bring them immediately to shore, supernaturally. Let me literally do the warp thing. <laughs> Up till that point, they're seeing Christ as Christ. They're seeing him as the prophet. They're seeing him as a man of truth. What they had not heard was the truth yet that he was about to bring. Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, let me have your attention, he said. Let me have your attention. Pay attention. Truly, let me have your attention. That's what it means. Let me have your attention. Truly, look into my eyes. Truly, listen to what I got to say. Set aside the distractions. Stop thinking about whatever you were thinking about. I need you to pay attention. Listen up. Listen up. Look into my eyes. Truly, truly. <laughs> well, let me find my verse. I lost it. <laughs> I'll come there. Truly, truly. This is small print. Truly, truly, I say to you. Listen up. You were. Thank you. You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father set his seal. No verse from Genesis to Revelation sums up the difference between a system called religion and an opportunity called the kingdom than verse 26. There is no verse in all of Scripture that better sums up the line between the system of religion and what it takes to qualify. To be religious, you have to qualify to be religious through man's means, man's ideas, man's thoughts. To be in the kingdom, you simply enter in by receiving Christ. Let me point it out. They said, Rabbi, when did you come here? Truly, truly, I say to you, this is the beginning of the beginning for some, the beginning of the end for others. Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs. The signs didn't do anything. You didn't pay attention. You were present, but not attentive. We sang it this morning, pay attention to the details. You were present, but you weren't paying attention to the details. What you were doing is you were accepting that food was being supplied for you. But you ate the wrong food. You filled yourself with the wrong thing. It should have started there and concluded with questions. Are you the son of God? Track with me. Truly, truly, this is the religious part. I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill. And this, or verse 27 is one. Do not work for food that perishes. You know how to do this thing by the law. Works. Do not work for food that perishes, but instead for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man and only the Son of Man can give you, for on Him God the Father has set His seal 
the system says, takes our mind immediately. How can I do what you do? I talked about it, I think, last week or the week before. Do I avoid movies? Do I avoid movies? Do I avoid jewelry? Do I make sure my pants are long enough? Do I make sure my whatever is loose enough? Do I make sure whatever? I'm not wearing, I don't have tattoos or I don't have whatever. Religion, the system says, follow this path. And, and I, this is not attack against religion. This is a promotion of the kingdom. When you get a vision of the kingdom, the system becomes offensive to you. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to do the works of God? It's that whole system mentality. What do we do to do the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God. Here's the kingdom. That you believe in him whom he sent. The only work, listen to me this morning, is that you receive the Christ whom he sent. And then the kingdom is, he begins to do the work in you. In religion, in the system, you are required to do the work in you. Track. It'll make sense here in just a moment in a lot of ways. So they said to him, then what sign do you do? Never mind that we just saw you feed the thousands. Never mind that we just, you just raised, you just healed a paralytic. Never mind that you just supernaturally transported this boat from three miles out onto shore. Never mind that you did any of that. So what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. We're going to go back to John 4, 6 says... Or in Isaiah 2, it wouldn't have been John, but in Isaiah whatever says, mm. our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, okay, what did he say? Listen up. Cast your eyes upon my eyes. Everybody say, he said, listen up. He said, listen up, listen up. I'm going to answer your question. Here it comes. Are you ready? I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. Wait, now, you are throwing something at me. All my life I've been taught that Moses gave us bread, the manna from heaven. And Jesus said, mm, I'm about to rearrange your stinking thinking. I'm about to rearrange it. Listen up, listen up. I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now he's got their attention. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. See, on this side of the bridge, we think of bread in terms of something that we chew with our teeth and we taste with our taste buds on this side of the bridge. But what Christ was trying to do was to lead them to the other side of the bridge. But he knew the only way to get them from this place 
where they were deceived into believing that somehow manna gave them life instead of the anointing of God. He had to somehow get them from this side of the bridge to the other side of the bridge, and it was indeed an interesting journey. Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to him, to them, all right, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you still do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up instead on that last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. I love that verse 40 did not give us a laundry list of to-dos and not-to-dos. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. And then the Jews begin to grumble. Then the system began to rise up. And they said, or because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, wait, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? And Jesus answered them like this. Do not grumble. Among yourselves. Have you forgotten? I'm in the room. <laughs> no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. <laughs> I, love that. I love that statement. Everyone who has learned and heard from the Father comes to me. Law will never lead you to Christ. Mm -mm -mm. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Listen up. Listen up. I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. And I am the bread of of life. Imagine him standing on a large stone in front of all of these folks and he says, listen up, listen up. I am the bread of life. All this grumbling going on around him. Mm -mm -mm. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and guess what happened? They died. That manna you were talking about Moses gave us the manna from heaven. Well, it was short something. It was missing life. Mm -mm -mm. 
No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me, not that anyone has seen the Father except he is from God. Listen up, listen up, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life and I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And if anyone eat, oh man. Listen, he's talking to some folks this morning. Some of you watching online this morning. He's talking to some folks this morning. You have believed for way too long that your relationship with God has been determined by how many Bible verses you read every day. And how much time you spend in prayer every day. And that somehow you are justified by how many verses you have memorized. Somehow you're justified, you feel like you're close with God because you have somehow paid somebody's electric bill. Or rent, or bought groceries, or bought them a turkey this week. And somehow you feel like those works have brought you close to God. And somehow justify and illustrate or demonstrate that somehow I'm a believer because I did these things. Jesus said in verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. You're going to get it in just a minute. You're going to get everything. I'm, am I, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm starting to maybe shake up a few mindsets yeah, not me not me Christ it, it, let me just tell it plainly this morning it, it, maybe it'll sound like arrogance I don't mean it to sound like arrogance I mean this in every way to minister to you but if any way you get offended at me today it's not me you're offended at you're actually offended at Christ himself he said these things not Steve so if you have issue with it it's because you are offended you're having a hard time receiving the Christ that you say you possess There's opportunity in front of you today, all of us today, to get past, to let him, again, reframe our mind, renew our spirit, so that we can see from the right perspective, so that we understand what true relationship is, and what true relationship is not, and how can we know him, what bread, I guess, I would ask this morning, are we eating? Maybe we should ask ourselves, of what source do I find myself surviving on? The one that provided for those who died in the wilderness or the one that provides for those of us who live forever. Are you hearing me this morning? Track with me, track with me. Don't, don't be, don't, just be happy with me. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And then the Jews disputed among themselves saying, certainly not quietly. How can this man Give us his flesh to eat. I wonder how many people, maybe even online right now, if the things that I'm saying to you right now are maybe saying something similar. How can that man even begin to say some of those things? Because I'm the parrot on the stick repeating what Christ said. The Jews disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, listen up. Listen up. 
I say to you, unless you eat the flesh, it's, it's like he's leading them along. It's like he's finding, okay, let me take them a little bit slow. I've got them. I've got their attention. You know, they still like me. They don't like me. They're not sure. But I'm trying to get them to this bridge, and it's a long bridge. And I'm trying to get them over here. But, man, I'm going to really shake it up now. Because I want the very best to make it to the other side. He said, I want the ones to get to the other side of this bridge that are willing to be set free from the things that have imprisoned them to the wrong side of the bridge. And he says this, he said, the Jews disputed, verse 52, among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said, listen up, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What? I'm going to tell you something, and I think it's true of all of us. Any of us sitting in that conversation would have shaken our head the same way. I don't think there's any of us in this room that wouldn't have, would have gone, yeah, I'll take the first bite. <laughs> Where's the fart, man? Do you, do you come with sauce? <laughs> I think every one of us in this room right now, watching this message right now, I think every one of us would have said, look to the person beside us and said, what did he just say? Unless I eat his flesh and, and drink his blood? Is that what I just heard? He said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and you drink his blood, you have no life in you. And he said, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood, however, does have eternal life. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to raise him up on the last day because he ate my flesh and drank my blood. For my flesh, he said, is food and my blood is true drink. And whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. He didn't just make a statement. He preached a whole message. He's like, I'm going to tell you, I'm the flesh and I'm, it's my flesh you got to eat and my blood you got to drink. And I'm going to say that about six times so that you get it. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So again, whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It's not like the bread you were talking about that your fathers ate, that Moses sent or called down and then they died. But whoever feeds on me, this bread, you will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue. <laughs> hmm. As he taught at Capernaum. Another story. Verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard... <laughs> Dude. I've preached things before. The presbytery afterwards has said, wow, you know, that was, that was on the edge. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? These aren't just folks who showed up. He's talking about now, he's talking about his disciples. People that had seen what he had done. They just didn't have a revelation yet. They, they, their mind had not changed yet. Again, the word is constant, but our interpretation of it changes. And their interpretation of the Christ hadn't yet Change. They still saw him as a deliverer over a kingdom, but not the kingdom of heaven. 
This is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, are you offended at this? <laughs> Probably with a little smirk. <laughs> Does this bother you? Then what happens if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? He said, if you thought that was good, if that bothered you, wait till you see what happens next. He said, if you think telling you that eating my flesh and drinking my blood, if that offends you, wait till you see me fly off of this rock. What are you going to do then? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. I'm going to tell you right there in that statement right there, people in this room right now, you're trying to balance this word out. You're trying to sort this out with all the things that you've been taught and you've been told. I'm going to tell you right now, most of what you're filtering that through today is through the flesh of your mind. You're trying to filter it through the flesh of your mind. You need to ask Holy Spirit right now to subdue that and to allow the Spirit of God to awaken in you so that you can hear this by the Spirit and not by the Adam mind. He said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who still do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who, who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the father. This is exactly why I have said in the past, hear what I'm saying. When I was a, a youth pastor, I've told you this story before. I'm going to say it real quick so I can get get to the point today but when I was a youth pastor and I had gone somewhere and I, again I'd, I've told you this and I had done went somewhere and they wanted all of us to our youth group was with others and they wanted us to link arms and walk down the beach I want to say it was up in uh, up in uh, Panama City Beach or one of those and they wanted us to link arms and walk down the beach and everybody that we touched we were just going to give just preach the gospel to them whoever got caught in our web we were going to preach the gospel to them we touched you, we ran into you, we're going to preach the gospel to you. And I said, ain't happening for our group. You are not going to humiliate me. You're not going to force me or any of my kids into going out there and trying to suddenly become Paul. It's not happening for us. You can do whatever you want to, and everybody that you touch, they're just going to get mad at you. They're going to do whatever you want them to do long enough for you to leave them alone so they can go back to doing whatever they were doing before. Because if you do this thing by the flesh, you're going to get a flesh result. But if you will let Holy Spirit lead them, if you will let Holy Spirit lead you, if you will let Holy Spirit be the one, if He is the fulcrum that everything balances on, and you will let Holy Spirit do it, there will be life. He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And then it says this in verse 66, it says this. He had led them all to this bridge. He had led them up to this point, And he said, I am the bread of life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He says this. He says, if you, unless you eat my flesh and unless you drink my blood, E.J., unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, Kathy, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot know God. You have no part with him. You ate the manna in the wilderness. You've lived by every law that the church has given you. Hear me today. 
He said, I'm leading you up to this bridge. You've lived by every rule they've put in front of you. You've signed every paper of I do's and I don'ts that they've placed in front of you. You've been guilted into making sure you open up your little box on your coffee table every morning and read 10 scriptures. You've been made to feel like unless you had bruised knees from kneeling at the side of your bed and praying through over and over and over again that somehow you are disconnected from God. And Christ is leading them to this place on this particular side of this bridge. You've been made to feel that way. But he said, I'm going to tell you something today. Your bruised knees have no value. Your box of scriptures have no value. Listen to me today. I'm telling you there's offense coming to some. Hear it right. The papers you've signed, the agreements you've made to do it this way or to do it that way and to not go here and to not go there have no life in them. The life is not found in your agreements or your bruised knees or all the little cards you read every day. The, the life is found in the presence of God. The life is found in a relationship with Him. The life is found in simply eating His flesh and drinking His blood. Not by leaning over and taking a snip out of His forearm. But it is about finding out who are you and how can I get to know you better and embracing the fullness of who Christ is. Not by law but by spirit. What do you want to show me today, God? I'm all ears. Move my heart. And when you move me, you might find me with bruised knees. And you might find me reading those scriptures in my box every day. You might find me not going there or not participating in that or not talking this way. But I'll not be doing those things, not because I'm trying to get to you, but because I'm in you. Because I'm eating your flesh and I'm drinking your blood, those things are a byproduct of the relationship. The relationship is never, never, never a byproduct of doing the right things. And that's all he was saying. And then it says this, and it says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and walked with him no more. And Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away too? Is it too much for you also to believe that relationship is first and everything else will follow? Is it too much to ask that you eat my flesh and drink my blood? Is it too much to ask that you simply come and sit at my table? Let me teach you through those things that aren't like me. But you can't be taught to get into me. You hear me today. So Jesus said, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him and he said, Lord, if I'm just going to add something here, please don't hold it against me. I'm just trying to give deeper understanding here. But Simon Peter answered him something probably like this, even though it says, to whom shall we go? It was probably something like this. You know, I don't get it. This is really a hard word. 
but you've brought me here to this side of this bridge because there's something on the other side. And you knew you were going to have to clean house today in order for me to get to the other side of that. And the only way to clean house was to bring offense to my soul. And it's not ever. Offense never. You need to hear this. You need to write this down. The Spirit of God in you is never offended. If you are ever offended, it is the Spirit of Adam. Because the Father will never offend himself. And Simon Peter standing on the other side and he says, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered them that were still remaining, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Probably went over real well. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Did I not choose you? He said, the twelve. And he said, out of all these thousands of people, twelve of you remain. Even the devil himself. But even the devil himself, if you've got it in you, let's go over this bridge. And when you get to this side, you're going to find out that your eyes now see what they never had. Your ears now hear what they have never heard. And your heart can now perceive what was way too much on that side of the river. You could take every other scripture, every other chapter in the Bible. I've said this before. I said it this morning, in fact. But if all you had available to you were John chapter 6, it's all anyone needs to know Christ in a very personable, personal, tangible way. Whenever we give communion or offer communion and serve communion in this house, I always use John 6. Because he said, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, flesh is skin deep. Blood, it's in there, man. It's, it's all the way in. And he says, if you eat my flesh, get around me. Yep. Be in my presence. Akin to people who stay away from the church. They don't want to be in the church, but they feel like they're just as, just as strong. And, and I can tell you that you're not. You're not. If you're not gathering with people every day, it's not possible. Or if you're not gathering with people on a regular basis, it's really not possible for you to be as strong because I'm telling you, the enemy is going to take advantage of that. There's a reason he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But when you come together and you stand together, you're among those people and you get to know Christ and he says, eat my flesh, get to know me. Then he says, drink my blood. Now you can know me in a way that many never, there's too many that never get past the skin 
they never get into the heart of it, of who I am. The bridge of offense is this for everybody listening to me today. It's the opportunity for you. It's the opportunity for me to reframe our mind. And to picture ourselves as one of those thousands that were standing at the feet of Christ. As he began to eat and he began to teach and he began to lead them on a journey. And then he began to sort out because the bridge couldn't hold the weight of religion. But man, it could hold the weight of the kingdom. And he said, I'm going to sort things out today. Because what's on the other side of this bridge, what some of you possess, cannot exist there. I would not dare expose the promise to those who are only interested in bread or manna that men have died from. But I want to give the promise to those who will enter into me and eat my flesh and drink my blood. Know me in a way that the goodness of God follows the relationship. The things you do do not lead to relationship. It's an opportunity today. Stand with me if you would, please. So there's people that are hearing me today, and I want to sort this out, because there's people that are hearing my voice today. I've met all kind, all kinds, and you have too. Everybody in this room, we've known those who avoid the church world, for lack of, I don't know any other way to put it, but avoid the church world because they've seen so much religion that kills, they've not seen relationship that gives life. So they avoid the church, they avoid Christians, they avoid church people, they want nothing to do with them. We've seen those. And then we know those who are pressing into the Father with everything that they are. Unfortunately, the thing that is the most visible in the earth today are those who are trying to do the works. Tell us what works we need to do, and we'll do them. Tell me, preacher, what works do I need to do? And the Father says, I'm not going to tell you what works to do. Just know me. I was guilty for a long time of trying to help people understand, well, that's not of God, and that's not of God, and that's not of God. Well, that's of God. Good job. Yeah. Oh, poor thing. You know, you're not going to make it far like that. I was guilty of those things. Yeah. And then whenever, I don't know when, at some point, Holy Spirit began to change my outlook and my attitude about things, and I began to realize if they can know God, if they'll know Yahweh, if they'll come in and they'll get at his feet and they'll listen and they'll learn and they can be taught. Not taught how to do what's right and wrong, but taught how to know him. Taught how to eat his flesh and drink his blood. If every preacher would stand in their pulpit today and just simply teach, this is how you eat his flesh, this is how you drink his blood, then all the little things, all the other little things would be mixed in there the way the Father wanted them. But we've all known those people who have walked away because they've seen so much religion and we've been grieved over them, wondering how in the world can we help them to come to know him. My hope and prayer is that today, if you're under the sound of my voice and you've seen a whole lot of religion and you have run from the church because of all of these things, you've been eating maybe the manna that Moses provided. It was good for a day, but it didn't last until Friday. 
Maybe you've been eating what is temporary, but I'm offering you opportunity today simply to know Christ. You don't have to sign a paper. You don't have to do anything specific. I'm not going to ask you to read so much or pray so much. I'm not going to ask you to do that. When you come to know Christ, there's going to be a hunger born in you. You're going to want to learn about Him. You're going to want to ask questions. You're going to talk to Him when you're driving down the road. You're going to find yourself praying, but you're not going to pray like other people pray. You're going to pray in a way you'll have a conversation. So tell me, Yahweh, how can I glorify you today? Can you put somebody in my life today that I can be an instrument to? And you're going to have conversations with him that are very different. It's going to look different. It's going to sound different. But offense came to some today. Offense will come to others tomorrow. Offense, when it's from the Father, comes in the same way that it came from Christ. It comes not to destroy people, but to lead them to a place of purpose and promise where there is life. He knew that not to address it. All these folks, even my disciples, are going to die. One of them is in trouble anyway. But I'm going to give all of them opportunity today to hear the truth. And I'm going to offend those things in them. I'm going to, on the offense, I'm going to bring to them the life that they can have. And before them, life is standing. And if they can receive me, if they can eat my flesh and drink my blood, miraculous change will come. If you're in this room today, if you're watching online today, you're under the sound of my voice. Your eyes can be open. Your head's raised. You don't have to bow your heads, close your eyes. You don't have to do any of that. If you want to, you can. But under the sound of my voice today, I do know that there are people that everything in you, every day you get up, you are in every way trying to earn your way into a deeper relationship with the Father. Every day you find that you're getting more and more miserable because you feel like you're coming up just short. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. It doesn't have to be that way. My prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will change your mind right now and help you understand that if you simply say, Father, I want to know Christ. I want to know you through Christ. I simply want to know you. You tell me how to know you. And if you will simply do that, and if you don't get an answer today, then don't try to make it happen. But you enter in. And let Him work in you. By the Spirit. Not by the law. Not by rules. But let Him work in you in the Spirit. And I promise you, you're going to find yourself crossing that bridge into a place of purpose and life and passion. And you're going to tell others, I have eaten His flesh. I have drank, drank His blood. And it is good. I now live where I had once died. I am now alive where once there was no breath, no hope, no vision in me. Today I see. Father, I lift my voice over the people present here, there. I lift my voice. Holy Spirit, I can only speak. I can only say the words that you put in me to say. I can only reference what it is that you want to teach us. But in the middle of all of that, you can take every single word and you can pierce every single heart. You can cause every single person to see and to hear exactly what they need to see and hear to change a life. 
Your goal, your heart is to never destroy, but it is to build. Your passion is to never allow someone to be left out in a place of the unknown, but it's always to lead them into a place of purpose and promise. My prayer today is that you use these words to let every single person see that their hope, not only for today, but for tomorrow and the next day, isn't in the rules or the laws, but it is simply in a relationship with you. My prayer is every person that has never asked Christ to change your mind, to change your heart, to help you see. My prayer today is that you will receive Him now. And begin, let today, let today, let today be the beginning of the beginning. Today, let it be the beginning. Oh, Steve, you don't know, man. I've been doing this religious thing for so long. I've been doing, I don't, there's no way I can get out of it. Let today be the beginning of the beginning. Let today. It doesn't happen because we stand there and we wait on God to do all of it. It happens because we say, I receive you. And when you do, He's going to begin to teach you. He's going to begin to instruct you. You're going to begin to see and hear. And the things that need to go away will go away when He wants them to go away. When He's ready. Let Him do the work. Stop trying to fix the you that will never become what He wants from you. And let Him fix the you so that you can become everything He breathed life into you to be. Amen. 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 Father, I thank you today. I bless this people. As we go forth this week, we celebrate Thanksgiving. We meet our family. We see our friends. We gather together. I pray by your word and by your spirit, may every person be safe. I pray that, Father, this word will get into the heart and soul of every single person who's heard it. Let them share it with others. Let others be changed so that we can cross that bridge and get into the place of purpose that you have promised for us to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.